Hi. Good morning. Uh, we're at the end of the road here on this series of conversations we've been doing about relationships, right? And um, so we're taking to calling these relationships that can make us or break us. And uh, we've talked about friends and family and our enemies, which was a fun conversation. <laughs> and we... Uh, we close today by looking at what, um, we close that series today by looking at what I might call something like uh, the fundamentals or the most basic realities of how we experience each other, one another, or maybe also how we ought to. If we survey the zeitgeist, you know, dip to the wind, feeling the currents of conversation, I think it'd be pretty fair to say that uh, empathy as this concept is uh, something that uh, right now people are trying to talk about as being fundamental. Uh, empathy is hot, sexy, sexy times for empathy, right? I would imagine most of you have had some sort of conversation with a friend about it, or uh, you read a, an op-ed about the, um, the end of empathy or the age of empathy or something like that. Uh, maybe listen to a podcast on it. Um, I listened to a really good one this last week from Hidden Brain. Um, I was going to say I, I, I recommend it, but I'm not actually sure if I do. But, <laughs> and of course, in the, in the wake of uh, the 2016 debacle, uh, this idea has only gained more traction in our culture. Right? We, we look at uh, people who voted for Trump, and, and people would say, oh, the left lacked empathy to see uh, people suffering and speak to it without judgment or smugness or self-righteousness. Right? Um, you could very well easily say, and I would say this, that the administration um, and many of its supporters lack a fundamental empathy to understand marginalized people, people of color, LGBT community, immigrants, refugees, etc. Right? They lack empathy on this side. They lack empathy on that side. If only we could all have this thing, right? practice it, uh, feel it, we would find uh, some capacity to move forward in a more positive direction. That's at least what a lot of the argument being made these days sounds like. But what is at the heart of empathy? How might we, uh, being a church here, understand this concept from a sort of spiritual or theological point of view? Uh, many of these terms, I think, you know, empathy, sympathy, compassion, altruism, right? These are all kind of words that uh, we know. But if I was like, give me a definition, you'd be like, ah, uh, right? It's uh, hard for us often to pin these things down. So let's not be sloppy. Let's be very precise in what we mean when we talk about these things. Prior to the 1900s, there actually would, this word didn't actually exist. Uh, and instead, sympathy was actually the word that was most associated with what we describe as empathy today, right? Until the psychologist Edward Titchener in 1909 translated the German word for uh, in-feeling, which is what it literally translates to, or feeling into, right, as empathy. And then after some twists and turns, blah, 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 yada, 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 philosophy of mind, aesthetics, et cetera, et cetera, the term lands in the hands of psychologists. And by the mid 20th century, uh, this concept is taken up into that world of psychology and sociology and looks more like what we understand it to be today. Right? So there are, of course, many definitions, which is annoying, but true. The general idea of empathy goes something like this. right? The state in which we experience a feeling or an emotion because of the feeling or of emotion uh, or feeling or emotion of another person for their sake. 
right? Putting yourself in another person's shoes, one might say feeling with, right? But this for this sake part is very vital, right? Because it's one thing to feel something in response to somebody, it's very different than an empathetic response. You know, someone tells you some bad news and uh, you feel scared, not because for them, but you're like, oh shit, what do I say to this person, right? That, that is not empathetic response, right? Empathy is not present if, you, if one remains at the center of their own experience, rather. You have to sort of recenter your experience in this other thing, this other person for empathy, right? And this is a, a beautiful thing, a beautiful concept, right? Feeling with. Um, did anybody here watch the Brene Brown video that I, I linked to? Okay. I bet if I had put, oh, it's a Brene Brown video, everybody would have watched it, right? <laughs> so there's a link in, that, in the email for that video, and it's two minutes if you want to watch it. And it talks about how empathy uh, actually fuels connection, and connection is what I would say gives us life, helps us keep moving, helps us thrive, right? And, but I wanted to think about, again, this from a theological perspective, right? Could we, for example, just going to throw this out there haphazardly and irresponsibly, uh, describe God's relationship to the world and people as something like a relationship of empathy? Some of you are like, oh, some of you are like, hmm, right? I'm not going to actually talk about that at all, so just you can think about that for yourself later. But when I thought about this, I was quickly drawn to this parable, right? This famous one that I'm sure most of us have heard in one form or, or another. And as it goes with these things that become familiar, we settle into a kind of uh, common interpretation. Uh, we are not a place for common interpretations here, right? And so the general moral that you see in this common interpretation, right, would sort of treat it as like an ASAP fable. Actually, can you just put the, um, yeah, just leave that up there. It's like an ASAP fable if you replace these characters with like wolves or something, right? And the idea is uh, be like the Good Samaritan and help other people, right? The Good Samaritan is this paragon of, of good and proper and moral behavior, right? And even more so, as you know, the history of this a bit, the Jews and the Samaritans were basically mortal enemies. And in doing so, he helped. And even in that relationship, he helped anyway, right? Don't be like the hypocrite priest who crosses the street be like the Good Samaritan, right? And that's a good lesson in and of itself, right? And uh, particularly for a kid, probably a good lesson, right? But I think its simplicity actually uh, begs a lot of questions, right? For example, uh, why did the other people not help? What were they thinking? What were they feeling? What were they going through as they saw this person dying? Why did the Good Samaritan help? What were his motivations, his thought processes, his feelings, right? These are sorts of questions that of interest uh, that we don't get here, and I think would be interesting on this topic of empathy, right? These are sort of questions of empathy. And when, once we introduce them, these questions, things get complicated, right? We treat biblical characters like actual people, complex people, people with feelings, and stuff like that, right? Uh, we don't know why these people acted that way, right? The possibilities of what's going on in their inner life are, are endless, right? We can only imagine. But let me, if I may, indulge you in some of my imagination as I do this. So I'm going to read a retelling of this story by me. The man was anxious. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
I was going to flip into storyteller mode, but I can't do it. The man was anxious as he hurried down the road, constantly darting his eyes around and keeping his ears open for any unexpected sounds. This was a notorious, notoriously dangerous place to be. He knew this all too well. Suddenly, he noticed a figure up ahead, a mere shadow from a distance. His heart started to beat with quickness as the shadow began to take shape with each step. A beaten and bloody man unconscious lay before him. His heart was moved as he remembered his own near-death experience on this very road not two years ago. When he had been on the ground, broken and fearful, he had thought of his family, for whom he took this road uh, for their behalf. And with their faces in mind, he had summoned the strength to get up and move until he could, finish, until he could find help. Perhaps this man had a family as well, waiting eagerly for his return. He decided he would help this man. But as he turned the body over, he saw that the man was a Jew, and his heart was instinctively filled with hatred and anger. There was no doubt in his mind that this very man, had their positions been reversed, would have left him to die. This was the way things were. But he had made his, his decision to help, and his sense of duty overrode his hatred. So he bandaged and scooped up the man onto his donkey, taking great care not to look him in the face, lest he be overcome with rage. And muttering angry racial epithets under his breath, he took off to find lodging. So that's a very dark version of this story. I'll read one more, a shorter one. Dusk had fallen when he saw a figure laying on the road ahead. He was in a rush, wanting to make it to market before it opened the next morning. But he, as he got closer, he saw that there was a man near death. Turning his body over, he looked him in the face and saw that he was a Jew. What would his friends think if they knew what he was about to do? They all would have screamed, leave him to die. But he didn't harbor these common animosities. As a young boy, an exiled Jewish woman had wandered into his town and his family had shown pity to her by hiring her to help with the house and tend to the children. She was like a second mother to him and while everyone else ridiculed him for it, he refused to treat her with scorn. And while everyone, oh sorry, those common animosities never had an opportunity to take root in him. And as he looked up in this dying man's face, he saw hers and his heart was moved with pain. And so with great care, he began to wash his wounds. Uh, part of me wrote these little things because it was kind of fun for me to do it. But the other part is because out of them, I think we get a, a small window into the very complex myriad of possibilities that exist within our inner lives, right? Some, sometimes we help others because we've had similar experiences or we know someone like them. Sometimes we help without much thought, driven by an instinct, uh, a duty, a sense of duty, a sense of real morality, right? Somewhat shockingly, we might even be helped to move people we hate as our sort of disdain is overridden by a higher call or purpose. We could do this little imaginative exercise for the priests as well, the Levites, uh, making sense of their inner lives again. Why, uh, why did they not help? Why did they walk over to the other side, right? As we might think of times that we have not ourselves ran to the suffering or we've turned away or averted our attention or our eyes away from such things. It'd be easy uh, to call the Good Samaritan uh, an empathetic person worth uh, modeling ourselves after. Uh, but as I've tried to demonstrate a little bit in, in, um, through these stories is that we don't actually know if that's true. We don't know if this Good Samaritan was an, um, an empathetic person worth modeling oneself after. Right? Uh, feeling with uh, the beaten man could have been the furthest thing from the Samaritan's mind. Empathy is itself not necessarily, uh, not, a, not, not a necessary component of altruism or compassion or good moral behavior. 
But there is more to the story than just uh, the Good Samaritan doing a good thing, right? One that is lost when we ironically uh, are not being very empathetic as we read this parable. And it is in fact a lesson on empathy for the one who sees it. When I look with empathetic eyes at this story, I don't see the Good Samaritan, right? My gaze actually turns and I look at the one person in this story that we can identify with without qualification. I don't need to know this person's motives or what happened to them or how they got there. And that's the person who's on the ground. Right? I focus on this person because uh, I am that person, right? We are that, we are that person. We are the beaten and bloody left for dead on the side of the road. Right? We see ourselves in the one who is avoided, abandoned, rejected. Right? And this is the revelation of empathy that we get from this story. A side note, which is not really a side note, but it seems like a side note, is the early church uh, viewed this story very differently than this kind of be like the Good Samaritan uh, morality thing that we get. It was more of an allegory for this cosmic battle of salvation. People like Origen, Augustine, the Eastern Orthodox Church, they all uh, used this allegorical reading and saw that the beaten man represented humanity. Uh, the people who beat him down were like the evil forces of the world, the devil and so forth. Um, those who could not help him represented the old Jewish law and the prophets. And the Good Samaritan was none other than Christ himself, disguised as he often is in the people we least expect. Now, obviously this interpretation has sort of fallen by the wayside. Uh, people are not super into it anymore. In fact, John Calvin had a uh, vicious takedown of it that read like a Twitter, um, Twitter thread. <laughs> but there is a key insight here in this story that I think is worth preserving and worth returning to. Right. How true is it that the beaten man is an almost afterthought for us in this story, right? We, we hear this story and again, we always focus on the Good Samaritan, or the ones who didn't help, turning the one who actually suffers into a mere instrument for the plot. And in doing so, we obscure the very nature of empathy in ourselves and in this story. Again, Brene Brown in that video, right, she says, empathy demands a sort of vulnerability because it forces us to connect with something inside ourselves that knows what this other person is feeling or going through. You have to tap into that part of you. And I think we need to look at this story with that kind of vulnerability. And when we do, we will find ourselves squarely focused on this person in pain. Right? As we are being vulnerable at the same time with the pain inside of us. Right? And then we become people of empathy. And to me, that is the actual moral of this story. Think about that. I only have one paragraph left to say, so I'm just going <laughs> to let that sink in for a second. I wanted to end this whole relationship series that we've done by um, saying something that strikes me as fundamentally true about relationships in the world. Relationships could easily be defined as hurt people in close proximity with one another. 
Everyone's been beaten down on the road to Jericho in some way, some form, or another. Uh, we know this, right? I've heard, we heard these stories through the course of this series in our welcome tables and our conversations. Um, no one here is immune to that. And we all know this again on a sort of theoretical level, but it's another thing altogether to know it in our gut, in our bones, to feel it. I forget it all the time, right? Uh, I'll even, you know, I, part of my job is to go and have conversations in which it probably would behoove me to be empathetic and, and understanding. And I'll go into these conversations literally like in my car right before I I'll walk into the bar or whatever, being like, remember that everyone hurts and that we need to see that in each other and that's what's important. And then I get into the place and it's like, it's just gone. 20 minutes later, I'm like, have a third eye view on myself and I'm like jostling with this person, arguing with them, <laughs> fighting with them, driven by my own anxiety or need to be right or fear of failing in my job, right? How quickly it's just gone from my consciousness. We need to take this truth and again, sink it deep into our bones, right? To know that it's true for our friends, our family, and especially our enemies. So, I close with you. I close today with you like this. If you take one, uh, if you take nothing else from today, I hope we can all remember this thing. The Good Samaritan is a parable about how we were bruised, beaten, forgotten, and someone came to help us. Now let us go and do likewise for others. Amen.